Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. The culmination of the Color of Education series this week comes with an exciting launch of the Dudley Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunity. The Flood Center has been created to connect organizations and people who work to address equity, access, and opportunity in education. We are so pleased to be joined by Alfred Mays, the Senior Program Officer of the Burroughs Welcome Fund and Chair-Elect of the Public School Forum Board of Directors. Alfred, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Marianne. I'd love for you to start out just by sharing with us um, a little bit about the Burroughs Welcome Fund's commitment to equity. So the Burroughs Welcome Fund has a long-standing commitment uh, to equity, access, and opportunity, um, specifically in high-quality STEM education programming. Uh, through its support to underserved and underrepresented minorities um, and communities across North Carolina, our programming not only holds diversity, equity, and inclusion as a core value in specific programming, it is also a means and a strategy across all of our efforts. We recognize race, equity, and social justice as an essential element to addressing education disparities. At the Public School Forum, we're so excited this week to officially launch the Dudley Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunity. Uh, the Burroughs Welcome Fund was instrumental in establishing and launching the center. Why is this so important right now? So Marianne, as you know, the um, establishment of a center for educational equity and opportunity was a key recommendation of the Public School Forum Study Group 16 report, which included the analysis of key issues around racial equity. Current and ongoing racial inequities and disparities are true impediments to every child receiving a sound basic education. The center will serve as a hub for greater collaboration and policy influence in addressing longstanding systemic issues. There are a number of organizations and practitioners working diligently to address racial equity, and the center seeks to highlight, promote, and support this community. Now, Dudley Flood will be our next guest on the show today, and I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how he has impacted you and the vision for the Flood Center. So Dr. Flood has inspired me and so many others um, in his touting of key proficiencies in various calls to action. Um, he describes them as social, networking, and political proficiencies. If you want your art to be a masterpiece, then your brush strokes must align with your call to action. Um, his lifelong commitment to civil rights and education, his lived experiences, even with a green book as he traveled throughout North Carolina, his legacy and body of work consisting of playing an integral role in the desegregation of North Carolina's public schools, um, a collective spirit in the most challenging of times and his years of service on various boards and commissions when I think of the vision for the Flood Center, um, I like to think of it as an opportunity to usher in and act on exactly what Dr. Flood has indicated over a lifetime. Uh, and that is every child will be successful if given the right access and opportunity. The Flood Center should be a constant reflection and reminder in all that we do to address longstanding and deeply rooted educational disparities. Well, I know, Alfred, many of us share in those sentiments and how uh, Dr. Flood has inspired us, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with him next, and thank you so much for being here today. Great. Thanks, Marianne. It is truly my pleasure to be joined by Dr. Dudley Flood. Dudley, thanks so much for being here with us. My pleasure. My pleasure. Dudley, when you think about your extensive work around desegregation and equity with our schools and communities, how do you view where we are today and what are you hopeful for and what are you most concerned about? We're in the process of closing the gap 
between work that we did 50 years ago and what we've discovered, we now need to recapitulate. Uh, and it's, it's understandable that in the 70s, we were focused entirely, almost entirely, uh, on the matters that we were driven to focus on by legislation and court cases and that sort of thing. And so it was not unusual for there to be a discussion about equity, because at the root of all that was a search for equity. While we weren't using that terminology as broadly as we are now, uh, almost everybody recognized that that was actually what we were headed toward. And so you had a, a common sense among the population that there needed to be some strategies developed and some forms of implementation that would increase equity in the, in the schools. We also recognized in that period that the school was, was probably the center of culture, that everybody focused on the school as the one institution in which everyone has a vested interest. School was the conduit for us opening a total society uh, for any number of demographics, uh, not the least of which was people of color, but certainly uh, uh, all other demographics that had felt that they had not been well represented as a legitimate part of the society. We went through a period, how <clears throat> in general last, from a, about 1980 until now, uh, until recently that we said, we've done that already. So why are we still at this? We, we finished this 40 years ago. So why are you still talking about it? Uh, and reasonable people uh, became confused about whether or not this had taken a priority over some elements they thought would be more important having to do at school. So we went through a series of reforms. Uh, I've been a part of about eight or 10 of those uh, in my career all of which were legitimate, but none of which had any element of equity involved in them. They weren't aimed toward equity uh, in, in the sense that we think of equitable access and that sort of thing. And so the focus as to where we are now is very gratifying to me because for the first time in a lot of years, uh, it is a prime focus now. We have a priority that's been established and no one person established it. It has grown into our awareness that we have an issue that until we settle that issue, we don't get all we could get out of the institution education. And it has spread itself in the total society to the point that we know we don't get all we could out of the total society until we will have addressed it, addressed the educational uh, issues and the equity issues therein. So where we are now is for me uh, a good place, not a joyful place in that sense, but a place where progress has the best chance of being made that it's, that it's had for a while. And in uh, uh, so far as what I'm most concerned about is I'm, I'm concerned that we don't fail to recognize this opportunity. I'm concerned that our divisiveness among ourselves overrides the opportunity that we right now have to bring people together in a way that we haven't had for the last 40 years. And both uh, uh, elements, education and all the other elements that feed into education <clears throat> are in a better position now to, to do something uh, assertive about that. Now that, now that everybody knows, uh, almost everybody knows there to be some value in our modifying that, that circumstance, 
we may have the best chance we've had during my lifetime of making some systemic change, some meaningful change. You know, you're sharing the history and where we are right now is kind of makes this the perfect moment because as you know, at the Public School Forum, we're so excited this week to launch the Dudley Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunity. I wonder if you can share a little bit about what this means to you and um, right now. I'd have to broaden that, not just what it means to me, but what it means generally, because uh, I'm just one of many people who worked all their lives <laughs> to try to say, see there'll be some symbolic pronouncement that this is worth our thought, worth our effort. And the, and the Flood Center is such a symbolic pronouncement, if, if nothing more than just acknowledge and recognize and institutionalize the fact that this is an element that we can and should do something about. So we begin with that. And then it represents all those people like Craig Phillips, who was my boss, and Gene Cosby, who was my colleague for years, and many, many others around the state, many superintendents, many teachers, who stayed up late nights strategizing as to how we could have a smooth transition from a dual society to a, a unified society, and who never got the recognition for having done so. There had been no, to my knowledge, established recognition in an educational institution that dignifies all that work when many of us work seven days a week, any hours, not that it wasn't appreciated, it just simply wasn't recognized in a, a, a way that uh, others could come by and say, oh, so that really happened, did it? And so the Dudley Flood Center is, is an honor to me, of course, because you, you were kind enough to bear my name, but it reflects to me all those people uh, who worked so hard to get us from where we were to where we are. And not that many of them still living. So I have to represent them. Every time I open my mouth, <laughs> I'm representing all those people who did that work and all those who would have done that work had they had an avenue through which to do it. Now the center provides that avenue. It provides that place where people can come with, avenue, with uh, uh, their thoughts and their wishes and their uh, philosophical bent. And for the first time have it validated or affirmed or corrected, whichever it needs to have happen and to do so in, a, in, a, in an environment that we can uh, reflect on as being academic. Because unless it carries the title of academic with it, it doesn't get chronicled. Uh, it has to be uh, validated and affirmed. And no one person can validate what you do. You can do it really well. But that isn't validation, as you well know. The best research you ever did had to be read by some people you didn't know and like. <laughs> and they didn't approve it. Wasn't, wasn't valid research. And so uh, to have a, a group of selected people selected because their willingness, their capability, their desire to examine that work, to develop new strategies, put new sets of eyes on what was and what can be is the most gratifying experience in my lifetime. So I'm, talking, I'm blown away by it, really blown away. Well, Dudley, it is truly an honor both to have you with us today, but also to have a center at the Public School Forum that is named for you. And please know that you are carrying forth all the work and helping so many of us see the pathway forward. And I'm just so grateful to have this experience uh, with you. So thank you so much for being here. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives.
We are so pleased to be joined by Dr. Beverly Emery, who is the Executive Director of Leandro Implementation for the North Carolina State Board of Education. Uh, Dr. Emery is also the former superintendent of Winston-Salem for Scythe Public Schools and Pitt County Schools. And Bev, we're just so pleased to have you here today on this special day when we just had the chance to hear from Dr. Dudley Flood as we launched the Dudley Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunity. And your work before and right now certainly speaks um, to the importance of these efforts. And so I'd love um, for you just to start by sharing about your role, and I know this focus on the Leandro case, but also how do you think um, this all shines a light on equity in our state too? I think the reason this sort of capstone opportunity is exciting to me is, you know, whether it was a teacher, a principal, a superintendent for 25 years, a doctoral dissertation on African-American male achievement, uh, you know, I don't know that I've ever uh, been able to figure this out the way that we all want it to. And I think that sort of is representative of the challenge and the complexity of this work. And it really is about uh, equal access and equal opportunity. Uh, we can call it gap closing. We can call it Leandro. Um, at the end of the day, how do we make sure each and every child uh, has opportunity to be challenged and to be educated? Uh, we, we talk about this 25-year-old uh, case, and I think Dudley Flood is just such a perfect um, role model for the fact that we always focus on what we haven't done, and he brings us back always yet again to what we have done, and um, that's a great mindset for the work. What have we done, and how do we build and grow on it? We have plenty to do, uh, but I think we've made strides um, you know, and grateful to those sort of pioneers who got us to this point. What challenges do you think our state districts and schools should be addressing, um, I guess, more immediately um, than others, knowing we have many right now? I do think we have to be, with limited time and resources, selective about how do we make those opportunities the best they can be? How do we recruit the best teachers? How do we keep those folks? How do we make sure that kids see themselves in adults, in materials, in um, experiences that we give them at school that we respect and recognize who they are and where they come from? The urgency right now for me has also underscored what I think sometimes we get lazy about. And, and if you'll forgive me, you know, it's always been poverty. Like I can, maybe I can't control that. Maybe I can't control how a child comes to me in kindergarten. And I think COVID has underscored so much the systemic connections here around, you know, let's just take broadband. I know I don't know that Bev Emery or Mary Ann Wolf can solve the broadband problem, but it is a, an exclamation point on the fact that. Um, there are certain inequities we, we need to advocate for through policy and funding. And then there are other inequities that we do have control over. And so I think part of my role is how do I shine a light on those big pieces so they don't fall by the wayside, but help keep us focused on things we can control that will make things better and aren't necessarily big price tags. And, and how do we do that, right? It definitely seems like our current circumstances with COVID hasn't might even make this a bigger challenge for us. And 
I wonder if you have thoughts on how we might approach that or what strategies we might use um, to address um, the teacher uh, shortage issue. Oh, it's, <laughs> oh, no, there's one if, if I had a magic <laughs> wand. <but laughs> I, I do think this is an area, and, and I think many of these, we look at our seven Leandro priorities and what I really admire about the West End report is there's room for innovation and creativity. But there's, there's also a challenge to us about will because I don't really know that so much of this has to be reinvented as just executed well <laughs> and with talented, skilled people. So I don't want to sound trite in we need to pay teachers more, but I, I'm just going to go right there. You know, we have all these creative things happening around our state, whether it's through EPPs, whether it's through um, creative ways to get your license, residency, we're standing up places across the state where if you come here, we'll pay for your credentialing and a place to live. I mean, there's a lot going on in North Carolina at the end of the day. If we do not lift up this career and compensate it and value it and respect it, we won't solve this problem. I'm very worried that the position we are all in have put teachers in a place where, you know, it's it's frustrating for everyone. So I, I worry when we come out from under this, we're going to be starting back at, at ground zero again on how do we lift up this profession. Some of that has a price tag. Some of it is just our mindset and awareness and frankly, a marketing campaign around the heroic efforts that really have happened. I'd love to, um, for a moment, turn just a little bit to back to Dr. Flood, who worked on so many of these challenges throughout his career and, you know, recognizing that this week we did launch the Dudley Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunity. And I wonder how you see Dr. Flood as influencing our state and why what he has done throughout his career in life is so important right now. Cool. And what he brings back over and over again, and I hope I can do this without being emotional, but I mean, he's so powerfully positive to have lived these experiences that many of us can't, we can't explain because we haven't lived them. But his lens on the world is just, if we could encapsulate that and give that to every one of us in this profession. You know, I, um, I saw something yesterday um, um, that was, it, it's an article that's just out about the Green Book and his sort of whole view on traveling the state and where to go. And um, there was a quote in there where he said, you know, my job is to teach, not to complain. And it just struck me like that is his whole life, right? And how, if we could figure out how to sprinkle that magic fairy dust on, on everybody, um, people who make policy, people who are elected, people who are in classrooms, people who drive buses, um, that will, I think, would go a long way. And um, I just, you know, I think he's just a remarkable human. And to see it, how incredibly on top of it, he still is and committed to it. But that, his lens on this work. So I never dreamed a million years ago that I would be working for the Department of Public Instruction. But, you know, it, that kind of gives you that, oh, you know, man, if I could just do a tenth of what he was able to accomplish in those years um, traveling across the state. Um, so I do, I do think the center and what you're doing there 
um, is a powerful story because we we learn well from stories and his is just uh, an extraordinary one, I think, to be lifting up. What makes you hopeful um, about education and NC? And obviously, Dr. Flood is one of those pieces that makes you hopeful, but is there something else you'd like to share in our final few seconds together? Even COVID, I think, plays a role in sort of getting us to this sense of we have no choice. We have to get this right. And um, I don't know why. I don't know that I can really explain that very well, except for there does seem to be this coalescing of folks, even you know, nonprofits and all these folks who have always been such important partners saying we can't all be doing this, you know, we have to join hands and figure out how to make this engine move faster and farther. And that's the piece here that gives me the most hope. You know, I was, as you were talking, I just kept thinking that our students come to us wanting to learn and wanting to do their best. And our teachers, they choose this profession because they believe they can have an impact on their students. And I think that along with people like you and Dr. Flood, when we all put all that together, there is a lot of hope for us as we move forward. Big steps, big challenges, but certainly a lot of hope. So thank you so much. At a time when so much of our world seems to be mired in chaos, it is important to lift up the good that we see. Dr. Dudley Flood, an educator and champion of school integration in our state, represents that light in our world. Throughout his career and ongoing work, Dr. Flood leads by example, demonstrating that understanding people, communicating with them, and bringing them together to work toward common goals are actions that lead to positive change and outcomes. In the years following the Brown versus the Board of Education decision that mandated school desegregation in the United States, Dr. Flood traveled to every corner of our state to unite divided communities and work toward integrating our public schools. His legendary commitment to school integration and his belief that every child deserves an equitable educational opportunity will serve as the foundation and beacon for the work of the Forum's new Flood Center for Educational Equity and Opportunity, which I have the great honor of formally announcing the launch of this week. With Dudley by our side, we will continue to build upon his legacy. The Flood Center is born out of the findings and recommendation of the Forum Study Group 16 Expanding Educational Opportunity, co-chaired by Dr. Flood, as well as the Forum's Color of Education Partnership, which aims to achieve racial equity in education across North Carolina through building connections and engagement across fields of research, policy, and practice. The Flood Center endeavors to continue this work by informing discussions on policies impacting equity and social justice, supporting and advancing equity-focused educator programming, and promote discussions around how schools are funded at the local and state levels in hopes of achieving equity access and opportunity for all young people in North Carolina. The Center's Advisory Board, named this week, will guide the work of the Flood Center as we move forward with intentionality grounded in the day-to-day -day work of our schools and communities. The racial injustices that have come to pass these past few months have shown a bright light on the inequities that exist in our schools and communities. Efforts to improve equity in our schools and communities have been underway for a very long time, and we have made some progress along the way, led by pioneers like Dr. Flood. However, we are reminded through opportunity gaps, the digital divide, and what we know about equity overall that we have not done enough. As we look ahead to the coming months and years, we must use all of the information, research, and resources we can to address equity directly. 
This work has never been easy, and it will continue to be challenging without a direct path. The Flood Center provides a space for targeted and in-depth work in policy and practice to bring together leaders and partners in this work and those who want to grow in their understanding with an eye toward advancing equity and a positive impact for all students. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.